Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Very, very good. Oh, you've been away, haven't you? Yeah. And I saw Stormzy as well. So oh, you since, did? Yeah. Since we last spoke, the Champions League podcast, I saw Stormzy live in Berlin, who was predictably brilliant. He was outstanding. Even a friend of mine who comes along who's normally quite grumpy about these things was like, he's really good live. That was outstanding. And then I went to the Czech Republic with some friends who went just over the border, the border, which is basically just a roundabout between Germany and Czech Republic. And we were there for three days of not very much skiing and a lot of <laughs> laughing, talking, joking and drinking. Drinking. Yeah. It was there you fun. go. Great fun. The buzzword. We've got a lot to talk about today. We've got some, we, you did the five to follow on Friday, the thing that we, we've started doing with FOTMOB. That's right. Yeah. And your games came through apart from Sassuolo, Atalanta Sassuolo was postponed because of a load of Serie A games postponed because of fears around the coronavirus, coronavirus which yeah. is nasty. They've been, um, actually they were saying that the coronavirus is at a tipping point, 78,000 cases of it. So yeah, pretty oh, grim. grim. Let's start with the Premier League. Sure thing. It's been a while since we started with the Premier League, I think. It has indeed. Hello, Premier League, my old friend. Sorry, yeah, it's just, look, it's because, partly because Liverpool are having an astonishing season, didn't even play this weekend, but they're still the biggest story. Yeah, we're recording this ahead of, is it Liverpool-West Ham? That's right. I mean, 26 games played, one twenty-five lost one. No, drawn one. Drawn one, sorry. Those are like sensible soccer figures. Those are, those are, well, those are like... Sensible manager, soccer. Sorry, sorry, the championship manager figures. They're, they're, they're oh. not normal. They're not... They're freakish. They're so brilliant that almost I feel like the brilliance of their season is going under the radar. It is. Like, it's, it's, like it's historic. If you think about the terms in which we should be discussing it, but I know people don't like Liverpool and they have issues with them, but... This is astonishing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I mean, wild in any league. Well, we spoke about it on the one we did on Thursday about the Champions League, how they reacted to defeat in Atleti. And you could tell that it's a team who hasn't lost a lot of games. They were offended. They were like, what? How? You know. But anyway, Liverpool haven't played yet, so we can't talk about them. Let's talk about, where do you want to start? Chelsea Spurs? Yeah, start with Chelsea Spurs. Yeah. So, so Mourinho was having a moan again. He was. And it's... <laughs> I feel bad even discussing him first because that's the impact that he has. <laughs> Always part time, of the conversation. Even at a time when Chelsea get a very creditable 2-1 win and they're now in fourth place, I think, mm-hmm. which is a great... I mean, Lampard is doing a really, really fine job in charge. If you look at the constraints that were there before the season, if someone said, at this point in the season, 20-odd games played, two-thirds of the season gone, that Frank Lampard would be in fourth place at Chelsea, anyone would have said, that's a remarkable achievement. Yeah, I mean, they finished fourth last season though, didn't they? Yeah, but it's a but new... But I think it's... it's yes, but the there's been a lot of turnover and a change in identity. And People have bought players, teams have bought players, so you'd expect a drop-off, you would. You'd expect, yeah. you know, you lose Eden Hazard, you have the transfer ban. If someone had said, where do you expect them to be? Half of the course would be eighth. Do you think that the fact that there is so much goodwill around it though is because of those changing expectations at the beginning of the season? No, I think it's the way they're playing. Really? Yeah, they've been playing really good expansive football and they've scored beautiful goals. You look at the goal that Alonso scored, that was, you know, Chelsea at their best. Beautifully constructed. It was a lovely goal. That. Young players. It was just really, really lovely. So I think the goodwill is because of the style of football. Because don't forget, Sarri did well in terms of results, but wasn't playing football that endeared him to supporters. I think this goodwill is because the Chelsea fans can see the quality coming through and they can see players being coached to the top of their potential, if that makes sense. Yeah. Lovely goal by Olivier Giroud as well. Oh, I mean, just just a great player. He's such an underrated finisher still, I think. Do you think he's still underrated or does he, does he fall into the Firmino camp? Uh, no, I think he is actually underrated. He gets a bit of a hard time. He does because he's never really, in all the time I've seen him, he's never truly been surrounded by the things that play best his strengths. 
in patches. I mean, actually the, the happiest I saw him was when he was playing with like Jack Wilshire, mm. playing like beautiful touch in and around the box, give and go, because a player like him, you're tempted to like thwack everything into the air, but he's so good on the ground. But at the same time, he is so good in the air and has very rarely been surrounded since Montpellier, since he left Montpellier. He's very rarely had a team which puts it in the air to him. He's always had these kind of like light speed forwards around him. So the, the crossing part of the game gets neglected. But if you put him in a team like, I mean, we said Dortmund before, he'd have a great impact there. You put him at the, the peak of a team like Chelsea, and you can see why he does well, because there's so much movement in and around him that he's a great guy to play off. Yeah, I think he, he really links up well with, with runners from deep. And that's when I think he was at his best at Arsenal. But I think that the problem with Giroud is that he's maybe 7 out of 10 on too many things and not 10 out of 10 on enough things. I've always, and, and, I've always thought that, yeah, yeah. And therefore, for essentially a big guy up front who's not particularly rapid, he does have a super diverse skill set, I think. You know, he did fill his boots though. Once um, the Portuguese icon is no longer at Juventus, Giroud... Heading to Juve. Giroud, okay. Juventus, Giroud and Dybala surrounded by runners would score a lot of goals and have a lot of fun. They would not get each other's way. That's the beauty of him. For a big dude, he doesn't get in your way, which is mm. really interesting. Like normally big dudes, like you look at basketball, right? A big player, a center, they occupy the paint and you can't really get past them. But Giroud is surprisingly accommodating for a guy of his size. They stretch five. Yeah. You know what he is? He's a big spoon. <laughs> He's a big spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. And he's all, I think he's actually an underrated finisher because going back to your thing about when we fell out, did we fall out last week about Werner? Oh yeah, Werner has a miss in him. That yeah, one. that's right, that's right. But like, ev- that's something that's been aimed at Giroud quite a lot over the years. But mm. also he'll pull finishes out of the, like nowhere that you just think not a lot of people would be able to do that. Like the goal on Saturday, I thought was a kind of unbelievable finish. It was. And it came after he was in and around the box and his like yeah. penalty box awareness is really quite good as well. A lot of in and around talk. Yeah. Been, been hanging out with Wrighty too much. Can you hang out with Wrighty too much? Is it, pos- <laughs> is it possible? Is it possible? <laughs> um, Mourinho wasn't happy because they've got no players. Oh, actually, one thing I want to talk about was that La Salsa red card, the red card that wasn't because VIR went weird in the Premier League this weekend. You know, it's got people fighting on Twitter about it. Surprise. <laughs> it was pretty... It's like music. It's like VAR for football is like the vinyl versus digital debate for DJs. Oh my goodness. On music Twitter. It's like every time you log in, there's a, some kind of argument about digis versus records. And this is the same thing with VAR. Everyone's just arguing about VAR all the time. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I feel like, I mean, I've always felt with VAR, it's a, a work in progress and it's better to have it than not. But we're just in this transition period where it's kind of brutal. Yeah, they've not really, is, they've not really expect, nailed it yet. You'd expect they? it to pick up pretty grim transgressions Well, like that. apparently they came out straight away and said they got it wrong. Um, but this is a pure case for the monitors there. Just let the ref go and check it. That's right. what they do in the Bundesliga. That's what yeah. they do in multiple other leagues. And right. we've said before that, you know, the Bundesliga implementation of VAR has not been super smooth or super perfect by any means. But um, I think Rafa Honigstein, who is a you know very pro VAR, said that something like checking the monitor in the Bundesliga takes about an average of 16 seconds. Yeah. Oh my God. Big, big overturn VAR in a, Bundesliga this this um, week actually, Gladbach against Hoffenheim. Yeah, Gladbach's crucial second goal. They ended up drawing one all with a very very late equaliser for Hoffenheim, and beautiful goal um, gets called back by player. I think gets called back because of a handball very early in the move. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's one for me that I always struggle with a little bit because if it happens so 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 far in advance, right, 
I mean, is it really then in the build-up to a goal or is it something that's just happened a little bit before? But there was. let's go back to the Premier League. Before we move on from Chelsea Spurs, fair result? Yes. Yeah? Yes. They were rewarded for their bravery. I mean, the quality of the goals they scored. I mean, Chelsea scored all three goals because Rudiger got an own goal. But that the thing I loved about, the thing I loved about, yeah, it was very unlucky. The thing I love about um, Chelsea winning this game is that they played enterprising football. Like the Dortmund thing. Dortmund went out to play against PSG and they got rewarded for it. And it's really nice to see that. I still can't believe that the Celso thing wasn't. He didn't even get booked for that. Grim. Right. What you described as the Enigma derby, the Enigma derby. in your write-up. Yes. And what everyone was describing over the weekend as the Arteta derby. But we both know what it really is. It's the Catfish Derby. <laughs> it's the Super Catfish Show. The Super Catfish Show. Yeah, exactly. Arsenal-Everton. This was a really, really good game. And I think Everton were actually super unlucky to get nothing out of this game. I think this is a game which shows which pro- the progress that both clubs are making. Oh, absolutely. Sense. But neither side could really defend. No. Both sides were pretty good going forward. But both sides would have known and accepted that. That's the thing. Mm. This game was such a positive. It Actually, to me, this game confirmed the quality of both managerial appointments. Yeah, there's something going on at both clubs, I think. Andre Gomez looking great when he came on. Yeah, so good to see him back so soon as well because that injury that he suffered against Spurs, thought I thought that he'd be out till the end of the season. So, you know, you have basically an elite level playmaker in terms of talent. The only thing with Gomez, it's never been about the talent. It's always about, is he happy in the team? And not in a kind of, he's not precious. It's, is he happy in the environment? Is it sufficiently nurturing? Mm. Barcelona, I think, was just too much pressure because unfortunately he was stepping into the boots of Andres Iniesta. He wasn't meant to be like that, just an unfortunate coincidence. Their time overlapped, very different players. But Andre Gomez, a happy Andre Gomez, playing for you and with a seat with a season with a preseason behind him, will be devastating. I think you've got Moise Kane, Richarlison, and Calvert Lewin in the same team, and Gomez behind. Him. That's really exciting. You can do a lot with that. There's a lot of goals in that. Mm. You sort out a defence, and a, a defence isn't just about defence; it's about the system, as we see with PSG. It's not just about having Marquinhos, Thiago Silva. It's about having a defence midfield access that protects you. Yeah, you've got to protect the back four. Right, you protect the back four and you have a system in place. Everton can do something really exciting. In this game, obviously, the defensive system wasn't <laughs> in place soon enough. And also, shout out to, this is not just about Everton's defensive weakness, it's about Arsenal's attack looking potent. Yeah, well, Arsenal had to make a change pretty early. Bukayo Saka was, I don't know whether he was dropped or rested for, say, Kalasinac. Kalasinac went off with a pretty nasty injury, hit the ground pretty hard, and it also looked like he had a, an elbow or a shoulder problem. But then... Pakayo Saka set up the first goal. He was absolutely brilliant again. Great finish from Ketio as well. Yeah, super good. And then obviously two great finishes from Aubameyang. But it's a really interesting Arsenal, I think, because I want to shout out Granit Xhaka because there's a really interesting development going on. When, whenever Saka plays, Arsenal are so heavily loaded on, on the left-hand side. Mm. It's something that happens a lot and has been, I think, a real key to Arsenal's success with Saka, where Granit Xhaka will then kind of drop into a, yeah. a deeper left-back role yeah. or a deeper left side of midfield and role. And build the play down that side. Yeah, so it's nothing's completely symmetrical. It's de- very much weighted towards that left-hand side. But he's doing such a good job at the moment, Xhaka. And if you think that that podcast we did after the Palace game at home where he got stripped of the captaincy, and this goes to the Arsenal squad in general, I think now. You think back then how many noises there were about so many players in, in the squad. Xhaka should leave. Ozil should be sold. Aubameyang's probably going to go. All of these players um, even Mustafi, whilst Mustafi, I think, has still got a long way to go before he's highly rated, let's say. I think the key thing about what Arteta has done and something that he's pushed so hard for is that A, the spirit is really great amongst the squad. The fans and the atmosphere seems to be a lot stronger under Arteta. 
And also, there just aren't any noises about any Arsenal players at the We're moment. starting to see why Manchester City were so angry about him going. We're yeah. now starting to see it. They may have identified him as a potential successor a couple of years from now. He might have been the first security point. Does that make sense? Yeah. He might have been the kind of Joe Fagan to Guardiola's Bob Paisley. If mm. That makes sense. And I think we're really understanding. I mean, we, I got it. I loved the appointment. I was really excited by it. I thought, you know, this is such a brave thing to do. It really was. And you remember, I was super unsure about it because I just said, I don't know. There's no, yeah. there's nothing to go on because he's not, he's not had a coach in, uh, a head coach role. So you really have no idea how this is going to go. You want it to work, but you just don't know. My friend and I, we heard Arteta doing a press conference and we both had this separate but same reaction. We were like, oh, this is wonderful. Just hear him talking about football, like the way he talks about it. I'm like, hey, this guy's going to do something interesting. But I think I said before, I thought it was a brilliant appointment. Yeah. And I, I think it, I remain. And we had a few questions relating to this game. Two from Caracom. Yep. Shout out to Caracom. First one said, people on Twitter were largely critical of Barcelona's bid for Richarlison, but I thought it made perfect sense. Absolutely. Am I, am I the only admirer of his attributes or would you guys like to discuss his potential slash ceiling? Oh my God, I love him. He, yeah, me too. He won a Copa America. Like it was no thing. But he, he's actually a reward for the quality of scouting. Shout out to Watford. Mm. Okay. Watford did some real business there. Yeah. They've always done a great job of South American players bringing in Roberto Pereira from River Plate. But Richarlison was just a brilliant piece of scouting by them. And in terms of his ceiling, I mean, his ceiling is visible, but it's not that close in sight. Like he's just a very, very good footballer who would score a lot of goals in the Barcelona system. And you're seeing, you know, Richarlison, if you look at the signing of Martin Brathwaite and his first performance for Barcelona, his performance at Barcelona's Eibar has shown how much Barca needed a mobile striker with some physical presence, high technique running ahead of Messi and it liberates Messi mm. and we've seen that now Richarlison would have been that player yeah. I think it would have been a great signing for them he had a follow up question from Caracom saying also Bakayo Saka and Mason Greenwood should go to the Euros right why not if England got left back Ben Chilwell Danny Rose Luke Shaw mm. maybe they're too young for the Euros I mean, I, I, I mean it really depends though. I don't I mean, even know about too young it's more about are they in form and are they can they fit in a system they'd have to they'd have to play a lot of friendlies or warm-up games before I think I think, I think it would be super brave and super interesting I if they did that better off being brave with your attackers and your defenders at the Euros I think you take an attacker so I think you take a Greenwood for example yeah and I think the great thing about Southgate is the thing about him is he brings serenity to the camp if he yeah. if Southgate had been manager of England when they'd taken Theo Walcott to the World Cup there would have been much less hype around or issue with it because Southgate would have been like yeah he's just really good Mm. that would have been it he's really good at neutralising the hype that surges around young players I mean I'd love to see them both go yeah. I'm not 100% sure they will love to see Phil Foden go to be honest might as well oh. get, might get game there sorry uh, sorry oh bit of snark oh uh, one other question from Cam at Titch Martian on Twitter I'm not one for hyperbole <laughs> here we go but is Bakayo Saka the greatest left back the yes. world has ever seen yes yes by far the greatest by far the greatest Arsenal's top assist maker this season that says more about, as brilliant as Saka is, it says more about Arsenal. But it says, what it talks, what it speaks to is the consistency of attack that they've been allowed to build. Like, so, him to be the highest assist maker maybe suggests that they don't have a consistent, they haven't had until him a consistent supply. The assists are almost coming from too many places and I think you need a regular playmaker. That's what it says to me. And this is no disrespect to him as a player. He's been brilliant. But he's given that consistency. And again, it's more credit to him and to Arteta. Yep. Let's talk about Manchester United. They beat Watford 3-0. Good win, that. Yes, with three lovely goals. A Jorginho-style penalty from Bruno Fernandes, capping a very good performance from him. He was really good. He was really good. Mason Greenwood with a stunning finish, top corner, but the goal of the game by some distance, one of the goals of the entire weekend and maybe the season, 
was this Del Piero style finish from Martial. Can I disagree with you? Well, you don't think it was that good a goal? I think it was good, but I think for someone like Anthony Martial, to not put someone on the line in that scenario is such bad defending. And it you was, saw it, Ben Foster just go like, what was, are you doing? It was, but the goal made me angry. It made me really happy then angry because it was like, imagine how good Martial would have been by now if he'd had three years of elite coaching. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we said this he'd be out so of many sight. times. He'd be out yeah. of sight. He could be starting for France. Yeah. He could be starting for France, especially now that like Dembele's injured mm. and he's never going to be at the level he should have been at. Antonio Arshel should have 70 league goals by now or 80. He should, like he's that good. He's a transcendent talent and he's getting by on pure talent at the moment. Yeah. And the thing about this win, unfortunately, it was just good enough to make those at Old Trafford go, oh, you know what, let's hang on to him. They need to get Pochettino in. If a manager that good is just waiting unemployed and United don't get him, it will be the signature failure of a generation. It will be their greatest failure of a generation not to get Pochettino. So I'm kind of happy with the result angry at it as well is this a thing that's going on with united fans though you're in this weird thing where you obviously want to do as well as you can for the rest of the season there's a champions league spot up for grabs especially with the stuff around manchester city happening but then are the two exclusive can manchester united have a quite successful end of the season go deep in the europa league finish potentially top five and then they still move for pochettino to be honest with you i'm not talking to the manchester fans i basically only discuss them on this podcast i don't talk about them on twitter or barely because I just can't, I can't face the scale of the mistake I'm afraid the board is going to make. I'm afraid they're going to stick with Solskjaer. I'm really afraid. It doesn't matter even to me so much where they finish this year. If they don't appoint Pochettino, the next few years are effectively a write-off, I think. Wow. Well, I, I think Mason Greenwood's goal was the best goal in that game, personally. I don't, much as I loved it. A rocket. I loved it, but I've seen it before. I've seen rockets before. I hadn't seen that style of finish before. That's fair enough. If that makes sense. Oh, we don't have to pick up. They were both great goals. They were. And the Jorginho-style penalty was also fun. Yeah, although I properly laughed when I saw it for some reason. It really tickled me. Well, also, Even though I've seen Jorginho do it a million it times, it was just... wrong. I know, in your first penalty for if your first been, goal. If it had been Pogba and it had gone wrong, can you imagine the headlights? Anyway, enough, mm. of, enough, enough. How have you assessed Bruno Fernandes so far? Now he's finally signed. He's just a very, very good player. Once you put runners ahead of him, surround him with... Qu- well, he's got quality ahead of him but I think they need an elite coach to bring out everyone else's brilliance yeah let's go to a break let's do it alright we're back from the break we're going to go to the Bundesliga we are should we just go should we start with the Friday game Bayern Paderborn. Bayern Paderborn. Oh, Bayern got out of trouble, man. They did, they did. And uh, so Bayern beat Paderborn 3-2 with a very late winner, I think with three minutes to go from that guy, Robert Lewandowski. Scored a few goals he is this time. The, the sad thing is that Paderborn, beautifully coached team, but defensive errors. I mean, they didn't concede goals. They didn't concede wonder strikes. They conceded like the kind of goals that a team that wants to stay up shouldn't be conceding. Yeah, Square I, think, balls well, I, think the I think they're going down. They of course Although they actually, they're not a million miles away because... Bremen are so poor. They're only a point ahead of, of Paderborn. They've played some great stuff as well this season. And to lose... I mean, great is... No, because look, the thing about they play some... They, look at the they games play some they okay play. stuff. I mean, I mean, I think it's all to do with, you know, a club of their size and stature. I think they, they're doing as, as they well pl- as they can. They play an expansive style. They, they haven't come and like shut games down. 
No, I mean, maybe they should have, though, because they've shipped 50 goals this season. Right. And only one side in the Bundesliga has conceded more, which is Bremen. Right. But they've scored more than four sides in the bottom half of the table. Right. And this is a team that sold, let's not forget, its two best attackers at the start of the season. That's really impressive. They were the top scorers in the Bundesliga Zwei last year. They're just a really good team. And the games they've played have been signature games. The loss to, I think, uh, Bayer Leverkusen early in the season was only decided by an outstanding Kai Havertz, who was good again at the weekend. They gave Dortmund a scare in Dortmund. Right, absolutely. So they've been part of some of the most entertaining games this season. Big yeah. fans of this. Manuel Neuer went walkies. He did. For one of the Paderborn goals. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of keepers that had some itinerant performances Well, this, Alexander this Nubel, since he announced he was going to Bayern, has not been playing well yeah. at all. He was very, very flappy on Saturday evening for one of your picks. Yes. Which was Schalke Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig. I think it's one of those ones where you've, it was the first long shot of the game and he lost it. I think you'll stare at it too long. What was the, it? Was, was it, are you talking about the Sabitzer goal? Because Sabitzer yes. scored an absolute beauty yes, really yes, early the, on. The opening goal, yeah. It looked at first it, as if it was just a, an unbelievable strike and then on the replay from behind the goal, Nubel just lost the flight of it. And Absolutely. had already dived past it. But then it was pretty, it wasn't the best game until it Leipzig was, just went into overdrive in the second half. Leipzig actually did, they created good chances in the first half for sure, but the second half they just came out and they were brutal. And this is, Schalke hadn't lost at home, I think, for 10 games. Mm. So they were looking good at home, but then they just got completely swept aside. Leipzig showing awesome firepower as they have all season. And then Kunku uh, signing the off-season from Paris Saint-Germain with four assists. In one half. It's the first Bundesliga player to ever do that in one half. Outstanding. I mean, Forsberg coming off the bench, that's the depth now of the Leipzig attack. Yeah, I mean, we said this last week about, Absolutely. you know, you've got Paulsen and Forsberg who were starters and now they're, you know, they've got a deep bench. Placements, yeah. Big, big win that. Really, really big. It capped a really good week for, for Leipzig. I think they scored nine. And this week showed they were it showed people they were legit. Two tricky away games as well, right. you know, going to Spurs, going to Schalke, scoring nine goals in three games, not conceding any. That's not a bad week. Strong return. Another side who had a good week, Borussia Dortmund. Yes. Who won in Bremen. Which you'd expect. But the, well, manner, the manner of the win was well, impressive. They, they haven't won there for a few years. They, it was the site of their kind of complete undoing for the title race last season, right. following the home defeat to Schalke in the derby. Yeah. They went to Bremen and put 2-0 up and ended up drawing the game. And that was the game that really killed their title hope. They should have gone to Bayern not needing anything, actually. Yeah. They could have gone to Bayern affording to lose there. They could yeah. have gone on holiday. Frankly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was that Bremen game that really made them unstuck last season. And in the first half, actually, I thought the first 20 minutes, Bremen were really good. Moved the ball really well. Caused Dortmund a lot of problems. Dortmund couldn't settle. And let's all. not forget Bremen did them in the cup as well. Yeah, they did a few weeks ago. Yeah, Obviously Dortmund still missing a few key players through injury, but that midfield of, of Witzel and Emre Chan, as we mentioned last week, is just settling them down a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of grit in there and there's two big dudes who are experienced as well whilst not being the super old. Guerrero looked lively as well. Guerrero is really good, man. Like, he's, a, he's a player. He goes under the radar, actually. Well, yeah. not, not, not under yours, but under a lot of our radars. Yeah, yeah, I think he's... Sometimes he has lapses defensively, but since they've gone to a back three... He's been really key. Um, you know, he's keeping Nico Schultz out the side who they bought from Hoffenheim in the summer and a lot of people were hailing that as a really good signing, especially for depth. You know, Nico Schultz, Germany international. Um, he's not really been playing. He had a couple of injuries as well, but I think also Guerrero just suits the system yep, so absolutely. much better, I think. I'm loving the rebirth of the 3-5-2 and the 3-4-3. I just think yeah. it's so great. Yeah. In terms of, if you play that system right, it's always been one of my favourites. Yeah, and I think nowadays as well, with the athleticism that's involved in top-level football, 
and how fit players are, you can kind of balance it a lot more than I think you used to be. Absolutely right, yeah. But yeah, anyway, going to the game, Dortmund, they went one up with Dan and Axel Zagadou uh, from a Sancho corner. So it was nice another finish. assist for Sancho. Yeah. Uh, it was a lovely finish, actually. I think that's Sancho's 13th assist of the season in the league. And he scored 14 goals. Yeah, after the goal, Dortmund just looked miles better. They instantly kind of clicked into gear. And quarter of an hour later, they went 2-0 up with Poland. This was such an impressive goal because... Movement, finish. Yeah, well, he was up against Omar Toprak, who isn't the worst defender in the world. You know, ex-Dortmunder as well. It looked like he kind of checked his run a little bit too late. He didn't get a huge amount of room from Toprak, but he didn't need it. Lashed it. And poor Toprak's face, They were, there was like a slow-mo of him afterwards and he was just kind of stroking his chin being like, hmm, not yeah, really got, sure got what else I could have done there. But the finish from the, I mean, I didn't realise when it happened live, I didn't realise actually how far outside of the post Haaland's starting position was for the strike. Right. And I mean, the timing for stuff like that, you've often seen people There's no get way. it wrong. And yeah. I know this, you know, he's an elite striker, but still. Do it reminded me of Pete Fernando Torres. That, that style of finish to get ahead of the man at the near post in terms of the movement was very Fernando Torres mm. and the combination with Hakimi is exciting as well because you see how much they enjoy playing together you just see that the focal point yeah I mean it just you couldn't get a better fit for the Dortmund attack than, than Holland. I completely agree it's the perfect marriage I mean let's say this Holland's goal scoring form is outstanding yes but let's also acknowledge this wouldn't be happening in just any attack it wouldn't be there'd no. be other teams in which he'd struggle to score goals with this regularity that's, that's my absolute Believe. Well, we said as soon as he signed, it was such a good fit. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So at the top of the Bundesliga is super interesting because so Leipzig a point behind Bayern, close the gap on goal difference. Dortmund stay third. Gladbach are two points behind Dortmund with the game in hand after they drew at home to Hoffenheim. There was some really nasty stuff in this game that came out. For those who didn't see it, Archie Rintut wrote a really good thread about it that I'd recommend going and reading in full. Referee stopped the game in the second half due to um, chants from the yes. Gladbach. And the banner. Ultras and a, and a banner, which was about Dietmar Hopp, who's the owner of Hoffenheim, who before Leipzig took over the title of being the most hated side in the Bundesliga, apart from Bayern, for obvious reasons, because it was Hoffenheim who were accelerated through the league system by Dietmar Hopp investing. And it got a little bit grim. I can't remember a game being stopped for this before. Right. I think the political context, the times, you know, they had a picture of the owner in... In crosshairs, the, basically. In, in crosshairs. Yeah. And I remember looking at it and going, the first thing I thought was Lubka, the, the conservative politician who was basically assassinated on his front lawn mm. for his support of Chancellor Merkel's pro-refugee policy. And it's what I thought of, although it wasn't the same person. It was like, this is the image. And it's so foolish at these times to have that kind of imagery out there because this stuff ripples out beyond football. And the response was really impressive, I thought, from Gladbach. It was weird because a lot of the crowd couldn't really see what was going on. And the announcement over the tannoy was basically telling them to stop it. And they were just talking about anti-racism stuff before. But then the banner wasn't a racist banner. It was just, you know, in the week of a shooting in Germany, which was a terrorist attack, yeah. to post a banner of an opposition owner in a crosshair, right. I think was really poor taste. Um, but yeah, go and read Archie's thread about it because he was there and it was a, it was a good... It's a good thread, gives you a lot of context around it. It's not the first time this ban has been seen. Dortmund fans got in trouble for it as well. And uh, I think they got, they've this week been banned from going to the Hoffenheim away games. So stupid. Yes, not good at all. Uh, quickly, before we move on from Germany. Hertha. Well, a couple of things. Cologne absolutely battered Hertha at the Olympiastadion. Right. 5-0. Uh, and Hertha are a mess. Jürgen Klinsmann said upon his departure from Hertha, they were 
six points clear relegation zone, they're absolutely fine, but they look like they could actually, well, let's hope this is a one-off for their sake, but the defence, the quality of the defence or the lack of it and the lack of creativity suggests it might not be. Well, because of the swing, it's taken Cologne above Hertha now on goal difference and Fortuna Dusseldorf are... Not a good win as well. A good win away at Freiburg, so they're picking up points. So they're only six points behind Hertha now. I think nine points for automatic relegation, I still think is a little bit, I think that gap's a little bit too big for Bremen or any of those teams to kind of overhaul. Right. The Klinsman thing's a funny one, man, because obviously the situation was really shoddy and it was really poorly handled. And he's copped a lot of flack for that, which I think he deserves in the way that he handled it. You know, he's not on the supervisory board anymore. He's left completely. However, and I know it's probably not a completely popular opinion, but I watched a lot of Hertha under Klinsmann and I was really of the opinion that whatever was going on off the pitch or whatever his uh, reputation was or anything like that, whilst they weren't exactly super exciting to watch at all, they weren't scoring a lot of goals, uh, especially at home, there was a slight shift starting to happen stylistically and I did think they were improving, albeit very, very slightly. Now it's just complete, it's complete chaos. I mean, getting hammered at home to a direct rival in terms of league position is just not awful. good, just awful. especially yeah. by that scoreline. And they weren't conceding a huge amount of goals under Klinsmann. They shipped four to Bayern. And then in his last game, they lost at home to Mainz. And that was the real yeah, that's worry. The that was the one result. And then he was gone two days later. So yeah, worrying times for Hertha. Uh, yeah, before we get out of Germany... In the Bundesliga fight, it was the Hamburg derby this weekend and it was a massive, massive win for St. Pauli. They beat Hamburg 2-0. It catapulted them up the league. They're now 12th and in a lot better position than they were. They were in the bottom three at the beginning of the day. And it's another massive dent to Hamburg's promotion. Can I just say, though, shout out to St. Pauli because they not only had a great result on the pitch, but also off the field oh, yeah, where the green, green Party stronghold, if you look at like, oh, yeah. if, you look, if you get a chance to look at the electoral map of Hamburg, the places that went green are also incidentally, not incidentally, the most fun places to actually hang out. <laughs> so shout out, shout out to St. Paul and Stenschanzer. You did the Lord's work this weekend. But yeah, for Haas Foul, that is a really, really poor result. And it's starting to look very similar to last season. The end of last season, yeah. They've got to play, I think, Stuttgart at home, Bielefeld away, I think. I can't remember if they're home. I wrote a tweet about it before the end of the season. But they're six points off top. They're three behind Stuttgart now. Who are this second. late capitulation, we saw this, you're right. When Paderborn, I think Paderborn put them away 4-1 mm. and they lost a lot of uh, altitude in the closing straights. Yeah, and then they got pipped to the playoff spot by Union. In Haasfau's defence, they started this game very well mm. and then got sucker punched by two fairly quick goals yeah. in succession in the first half. And for people who like the Bundesliga, I would recommend checking the Zweite Bundesliga or the Bundesliga Zwei for the rest of the season because that, that running is going to be... Top, right, we're going to have to dart around a few places because we're, we've gone super long. Yep. So, Spain, your pick was... Messi, Messi, Are we going Messi first? Messi, I was going to go your Messi. pick first. Okay, go on, pick first. Well, Real Sociedad beat Valencia 3-0. It was a good result for Real Sociedad. It was. Uh, Natural Montreal scored, so obviously I'm very happy. Odegaard sparkled. Mikel Marino, 23 years old, so not the kind of the youngest crop, but still pretty young. Got a beauty, opening uh, goal, and then Yanazai got pick of the lot. I that was think. a lovely goal. Yeah, strike from distance. So it's the Classico this week. Yeah. Strange how things have turned in the last few weeks because a few weeks ago Real Madrid were kind of sitting pretty. Yes. Barca were in all kinds of mess. They were. 
And a hot mess. now, somehow, I think Barca are going into... Well, I think a lot of will will ride on what happens in the Champions League this week because both Real Madrid and Barcelona are playing Champions League titles. Well, let's look, at, let's look at Real first. So Real, unfortunately for them, have lost Eden Hazard. Well, yeah. that, well that, that's more of a problem for... This is awful to see. More of a problem for Hazard than it is for Real because he'd just come back after 10 weeks out pretty much. With an ankle problem and then he's fractured his ankle. I mean, it's awful. Now, the worry now is whether... I was having a chat with some friends about this on the way back from our weekend away. The worry is, will we ever see Hazard back at his peak? Given that his game is so reliant on those really sharp cuts and turns that he makes, will he ever be that explosive again? And I worry that he's peaked for his own sake. To give Chelsea some credit, obviously, you know, Hazard is an unbelievable player. We're really big fans of Eden Hazard. But business-wise, that was extraordinary. extremely smart. They sold him at the top of the market, yeah. actually, in retrospect. So he's, been, he's had his challenges there but I hope he gets a speedy recovery. But they're without him and they aren't scoring goals that easily. They got undone by Levante, who, thanks to a beautiful goal, from Morales, Morales oh. away on the break. Sid Lowe said it best. And the, well, I, I think it was Sid Lowe. You can never tell who's actually tweeting from that. From the Spanish, Spanish football, football podcast. Because yeah. whenever I accuse them, they're like, it's not Sid. And I'm like, oh, is it Phil? <laughs> um, so I, I don't know who it is. But Morales with a great goal, as Sid said, or whoever it was tweeting from that account said, threw on goal, looked up and just thought, nothing else on. I'll just crack it, which he did. And it went top corner. Question marks about Courtois? Yes, but there have been those before. Those before. Saw the ball coming and just kind of took his arms away from it. Yeah, which really was, strange. Which is very odd. Yeah, Real Madrid aren't scoring a huge amount of goals. They've got 46 this season in the league in yep. 25 games. But weirdly, no one in La Liga is really scoring that many goals apart from Barcelona. Right. Atleti are in third and they've scored 28 goals in 25 games. Three of those came on the weekend. It's so strange because there's so much enterprising attacking football but there's no, it's what we call tantric football, so much build-up but no finish. And, I mean, Sevilla, attractive side, aren't scoring many goals. But they scored three against Getafe and Getafe hadn't conceded a single goal in the league at home since that they shipped three against Real Madrid. That is the most surprising result of the weekend, yeah. the 3-0. But I think Getafe, would, they had a really hard game against Ajax on Thursday in the Europa League, which they won 2-0. Right. The ball was in play for something like 42 minutes for the whole game or something, 46 minutes. Shout out quickly to Betis Mallorca. That was a hell of a game, 3 all. Yeah, six-goal thriller. But yeah, we've got to talk about Messi. Yeah. Because he hadn't scored for a while. Longest drought in six years, I think it was. Right. Got four. He's the first. He got, no, 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 no. This is the thing. This is what I'm talking about. You just said it. Got four. No. Yeah, but I'm going to go back through them in a minute. I'm just saying, I think he scored four goals yeah. against Abar in two different competitions. And I think that's the first time anyone's done that. But even the way we talk about Messi, like... It, oh, he was just like... Do you know what it was like? It was like playing FIFA and you've kind of made one player on the pitch maximum at everything yeah. and stuck him playing for like, I don't know, Kingstonian or something right, like that. Right. You know what I mean? So you've got like a player of, of Messi's quality in the Kingstonian lineup. Right. No disrespect to Kingstonian, but I hope they don't mind that comparison. Yeah, because I think it's fair. I mean, this is stating the absolute obvious, but he was so much better than everyone, like everyone else. And, it, and you could tell that, I mean, this Barcelona side is weird at the moment anyway. It is. I like them under Setien, but they're weird. Yeah, they're definitely weird. And without him, they would be in huge trouble, even, even though he hadn't scored in however many games. Yeah, because he was still creating goals. He was, yeah. And he was still being messy, even when he's not doing anything. He's messy and he's in the way. And he's occupying space and mm. people and you got the Meg, Meg for the first one and the finish was unbelievable. The second finish was unbelievable. He orbited, the, goal, unbelievable. He orbited the goalkeeper. He gets the ball from Martin Brathwaite and steps around the key. He could have like knocked it in the near post, but he walks around. Him. The thing that I like, was it for his hat-trick goal where he, this is where Messi for me will always be the greatest. And I know that there will be a load of people who are like, oh, he's a fraud. How many Copa Americas has he won? How many World Cups has he won? And all that kind of stuff. But in terms of a team player, 
Someone that good who is also still such a team player. He's on a hat-trick. He's through on goal. It's three against one. And he squares it for Griezmann. Who then somehow manages to like muck the whole thing up and the right. ball comes back to him anyway and he has to put it away. I can't even lay it on the plate for you. you well, know? The, the amount of times that you saw Messi giving Suarez uh, and Neymar tap-ins yeah. in the time they played together. Yeah. Just like handing them tap-ins to make absolutely sure that somebody scored. I mean, so boring talking about him. There's a really good piece about that, actually, that you could uh, potentially go and read. On the Stadio side? On the Stadio side, Oh my yeah. goodness. By some dude called Reinhardt. Oh, yeah, that guy. Is he the music guy? Isn't he? Stop it. No one cares. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, actually, I need to repost that. I should repost that every time Messi does something great, should, which is yeah. obviously, that's why I wrote it, because it gets a lot of... That's good. You can get a lot of uh, reissues <laughs> on the music tip. Uh, anywhere else in Spain, or do you want to go quickly to... Where should we go now? Oh, Atleti. Oh, one more thing. Atleti. Hey. Hey. Gerard Felix is back. He is. Now, they went 1-0 down to Villarreal. Paco Alcázar scored a lovely he goal. He did, he did. Shout out to Paco, Dortmund alum. I love the fact that Alcázar's just showing his quality. He looks like he's happy. There's yeah. a lot, you know, they've got a few guys back there now, you know, like Moreno as well. Happy dressing room, that. Yeah. Redemption dressing room. Not redemption, but like return to form. And um, yeah, but then a great comeback from them and capped by Joao Felix. Really nice finish. Back with a bang. The way he runs, he runs unlike any other. When I watch him run, it was like when I first saw Hazard playing. Really? It's like he's got feathers for feet. It's just so light. He's like, that's so lovely. That's lovely. It's also almost like you're a poet. Oh my goodness. Just a shy poet in a big city talk about yeah. feathers for feet. That's news Liverpool don't want because Joao Felix coming at you for like 20 minutes of a Champions League match. And they've got Carrasco on the bench as well now. Mm, got Korea nice scoring th- goals. Korea scoring goals, sorry. They've got some pace there. So yeah, shout out to Atleti. But yeah, let's go elsewhere. I would like to talk about one of your other games or your final game that we haven't mentioned. Yes. Manchester City against Chelsea in the Women's Super League, which Huge. was an unbelievable game of football. What a game. Six goals, three all draw. Chelsea only led once, didn't they? Yeah, but they yeah. went 3-2 up, didn't yeah. they? With Beth England's absolute rocket from like, Do you know 30, what, what was it, like 35 yards, 36 yards? Every, pretty much everyone I was hoping would have a big moment, had a big moment. Everyone turned up. Stanway just came back from injury. Yeah, although missed the penalty. Yeah, this is true. This is true. City really needed to win this game. They did. Because Chelsea are still unbeaten in the league this season. They've got a game in hand and they're a point behind Manchester City and they don't play each other again for the rest of the season now. It's the first time that both teams have conceded three goals this season in the uh, in the league. That makes sense because, I mean, before the game, Manchester City had only conceded six goals and Chelsea had only conceded eight all season. But it says a lot for the quality of the firepower. Yeah. The quality of the attacks on show. And they showed out. I mean, the last time, the previous fixture, it was a 2-1 win for Chelsea. A very late comeback after Chelsea City had been strong. Um, this was funny because City took the lead against the one to play this time. Mm. Ellen White got the first one, right? Yes, and then Jisoo Yeon with the equaliser from distance. It was a lovely goal. She was so chill about it as well. But she's always chill. That's did it take a-, a deflection? It did take a deflection, I think. I, it, was, it was like a bouncing bomb into the near post. I don't think it was. I think she just struck it from right to left across the keeper. So I think huh. she was beating the flight. I, I, thought it, was- I thought it took a deflection. But she never celebrates those strikes from distance. Just like, yeah, yeah, cool, training ground. Mm energy Stanway scored after missing the penalty as well yeah and then it was a lovely goal that it was a very nice goal and Beth England as well Beth England do you know what it, it's the quality it's not just the fact that she scores so many goals yeah. it's the timing of them early goals potentially decisive ones just I mean that knack is extraordinary didn't get into the World Cup squad right I mean Phil. I'm not even I'm not even going Phil. to get into that you're going to see how he's uh, changed soon because they've the Women's Super League takes a break now because of the She Believes Cup Elsewhere, quickly, Arsenal beat Lewis 2-0 in the FA Cup. Heavily rotated squad. Caitlin Ford scored on her debut. Yep, good to see. 
Um, should we get out of here? Yeah, yeah. Any admin? Just, yeah, we're going to have a few things up on the site. We had quite a lot go up last week. We had, well, two podcasts, three written pieces. Wow, yeah. So go and check those. I'm going to be doing the five to follow this week. So on Friday content. Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do Champions League podcast this week as well? Yeah, why not? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we should do. We did one last week. So let's do it. Let's do another one this week. And yeah, usual. If you can give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be lovely. Five stars, please. Really helps grow the podcast. Oh, we had a few like uh, charting positions last week. Oh, I yes. found out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were like top 10 in Australia and all this kind of stuff. We broke into the UK top 50 football podcasts for the first time, which sounds like completely nothing, but yeah. we've never been in it before. We're at number 34. Considering yeah. we're this tiny little podcast in Berlin. The little podcast that could. So we're playing out on? Uh, we're playing out this week on House of Spirits, holding on. But yeah, we'll be back on Thursday. Yep, let's do it.